And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Son of Slovenia, cool as hell. He scores the ball and he rebounds well. Don't fight the future. Here comes Luca. Welcome to 77 Minutes, a Dallas Mavericks podcast, part of the Athletic Podcast Network, the only podcast whose performance never, ever suffers on the road. It's me, Tim Cato. I run and talk about the Mavericks. Uh, we've got Oscar Guria, uh, a known quantity on this podcast. Uh, we got another good friend of mine, Chase Beakley, who has bylines way back in various places, Mavs Moneyball, D Magazine, uh, a full-on Mavericks um, uh, fanatic. A, a fellow brain-injured Mavericks fan, like okay. all of you lovely listeners out there. Here, I'll introduce you in one more way. Uh, you famously have a blog post for Maz Moneyball back when I was editing that site. Um, it's about wings, and it's titled... Requiem for a Wing. I can't still can't believe I got that past the editors. It's about Justin Anderson's career promise and ultimate... Um, failure to meet that promise. So, so anyway, the point being, Chase goes way back. Uh, you know Austin, you know me. Here's the thing. I don't have a lot to say. You know, it, it, I said after Game 5 that this was no longer a series of adjustments. A ser- it's a series of execution. And sure, there is a few adjustments here and there. You know, I think it's interesting that Dorian Finney-Smith and Reggie Bullock uh, switched their primary defending matchups this game. Do I think it ultimately affected who won this game? No. The Dallas Mavericks executed better than Phoenix. That is why they won the game. You know, it's uh, you know, it was a 113-86 uh, win that sends them to Game 7. You got to feel good. Luka Doncic is the best player in the series. He was the best player on the court in Game 6. He's going to be very, might possibly be the best player on the court in a game seven. He is, he should be, he should be. And that is all you can ask for. Um, so I, I want to, I want to kick it to y'all, you know, like what, what are you guys feeling, you know, with, you know, you don't have my broken, oh, I have to analyze what is happening, what adjustments are being made, what is going on on the court. You guys don't have that quite as much as me. How are you feeling? Game six win, the series going to seven. What's the vibe? This is the strangest playoff series I have ever seen. I, have, <laughs> I, I, I want someone, someone who's great at Elias Sports, someone with a, a large database. Has there ever been a seven-game series where none of the first six games went into clutch time, where there was, it was fewer than five points in the last five minutes? I mean, the series hasn't started yet. Yeah. That's true. Nobody's won a road no, game. Yeah, no one's won a road game. It's, I've never seen a series where I'm like, I feel like there were six outlier games played on both ends. Both, both teams, like tonight, you're right. Like there's not a lot of analysis to make. The Suns played bad. 
Chris Paul, again, was just not very good, pretty much invisible. Devin Booker missed like three or four wide open three pointers. They th- the Suns just threw the ball away like a lot the yeah. entire game. And, and, and here, I, I'll, I'll give you I'll give you one adjustment, uh, if you will. Me and Dave talked about after game five that, you know, the Devin Booker was smart to instantly attack Luca when he was playing a pseudo drop coverage uh, to, you know, to avoid getting switched on to Booker and Paul, especially Booker. The Mavericks blitzed every single instance of that. They they blitzed and Phoenix had no answer. At no point could Phoenix, like, that's why there's so many turnovers. And I feel like this series in general has been dictated by who is turning the ball over and thus who is using those turnovers to dictate a tempo that is beneficial to them and d- disbeneficial, that's a word, uh, to the other team. And, you know, the Mavericks being able to get out and run and take threes and take transition threes and get buckets, and the and Phoenix not being able to do that, and the three wins, Phoenix has got that. Once again, which team was doing it? You saw it. Yep. I think the interesting things from this game were... The blitzing of Booker, making it difficult for Booker on offense from the from the jump, um, and the amazing defense that Frank Nilakina played in kind of that that wing or guard defender role, backing up Reggie and and uh, and Dorian. I think uh, it's tough to be plus nine with one shot attempt that you don't make. Um, and I think that speaks to how immense he was on on defense. The other thing that I took away from this game, and I watched it last Frank had Austin. four steals, by the way. Four steals. Okay, yeah. so more steals than shot attempts. You're Love you're that. doing something that's special. That's quadrupled it. That's that's. I think that's great adjustment by kid to try Nilikina in, in those Josh Green minutes. The other thing that I thought that was really um, uh, important in this game is Luca did not have the best offensive first half and then came out in the second half and said, I am, I'm here to, to do something. It's time to take over. And I think that's what superstar players do. He's certainly capable of doing that. And to see him like say, I'm going to turn my fortunes and I'm going to turn this game around even more in the second quarter and in the, in the third quarter as well, I thought was, was, Pretty immense. Best player on the court. I thought he played a very mature second half. Yeah. I've seen that first half that he played. I've seen that Luka game many times where he just can't get a shot to go. He's missing missing little layups missing, that go down for him. Yeah. He so missed often. Little layups. He's missing free throws, which it's from time to time that, that happens in the regular season. And I thought that he was going to press the issue or get a little out of control. In the second half, he was very much under control, played a very sound floor game controlled the pace and attack. He just was relentless on the attack. And I think the one thing that I think I've learned about the Suns in this series is that they are an absolutely brilliant team from an execution standpoint. They understand how to execute every single action and play and counter. And they have the perfect prototype for every single position on the floor. They have great length, they have a lot of talent. But the one thing that they do not have, they do not have a single player on their team who can bludgeon you athletically. They don't have anybody who can overcome poor execution from an athletic standpoint. And they don't put pressure on you from the offensive end um, with from from an athletic standpoint. They, they it's can't almost, overwhelm you. It's almost a damning thing to say that about uh, DeAndre Ayton. But it's true. And it's been true. And, and 
you know, people who watch the Suns have talked about for years how he doesn't play as big as he is. Yeah. Uh, he's like uh, every six foot uh, dude on a dating app. You know, like like whatever size he's listed at, he plays underneath that. You know, he doesn't he doesn't play to that ability. Uh, Monty Williams said on the post game that he thought they missed some chances to get the ball down low to him, and I agree. If they're trapping every single time, ultimately the the best way that Phoenix is going to be able to counter that is getting the ball to Aiton more often in advantageous situations. But some of this is on Aiton too, and there are situations Aiton had where I thought you know. Another big man um, of his caliber, caliber of, of his offensive uh, abilities, would be scoring at will. And you know wh- whether that Aiton shows up in Game Seven, that may right there decide and determine the series. You know both both the the guards getting him the ball in those positions, but Aiton also has to has to do it. He has to show up. Um, you know we're a Mavericks podcast, but we know the NBA. We know that. The Suns and Aiton are facing a big challenge and a big question of whether Aiton is going to be a future part of their team. And if they're missing that just physical, phys- you know, physically dominant force on the offensive end, I think defensively, Mikhail and, and some other players do that. But I think you're right on the off- offensive end. They don't have a player like that. Aiton should be that guy. And Dallas, once again, for the second series in a row, looked at a big man and ultimately is playing a defense that isn't really respecting them. Shoot as many threes, or or don't shoot threes. We'll give you two-pointers. They've said this two series in a row. Really, they've said this for months now. And the league is not built with big men who can counteract that really good defense they're playing. Maybe eventually they're going to run into one. I'd be very curious to see what, you know, this defense looks like against Giannis for seven games. Uh, I'm not even predicting, I'm not even trying to predict finals matchups. I'm just saying like that would be a really interesting case study, a player like that. But this defense against these big men that they've faced, it's been very consistent that they can just swarm the three-point line over and over. And even though they're smaller, they put enough people in the paint, they collapse hard enough, they do it in rhythm and synchronicity. And that is how this Mavericks defense, limited Phoenix to 86 points. That is unbelievable to me in a game six. 86. It's crazy. I mean, I, I agree with the points on Aiton and how he he seems to fail to play with force. And like we were just talking about Luca really taking charge of this game and asserting himself on this game. Aiton's not able to do that um, by the virtue of the position he plays. That said, Aiton tonight, 21 and 11, 10 of 16 shooting. Um, I'd say you take that performance from him. I think the I'm sure the the questions are going to be more about Chris Paul and Booker's performances. I also think Bridges speaking about athletes, two of seven for him, seven points. I don't think that's enough on the offensive end. Um, from it takes him. way too many elbow jumpers. I don't I don't I don't know he's, what that's all the about. The shots that he's taking aren't good shots. Like yeah. I just. He looks like a player on offense who doesn't quite know what he wants to get and is unable to get there if he does know what he wants. Certainly, to get. certainly on the road. Jay Crowder has been better than him, like significantly. Yeah. I've feared Jay Crowder way more than I feel Mikhail Bridges. And because Jay Crowder does play with some level of force and he's not afraid. I think one thing about this Suns team that we have to realize is that even though they made the finals last year, that was. Outside of Chris Paul, that was the first time in the playoffs for all of those guys. 
I think I watched Booker's press conference after this game, and he was like, "I've never been in a game seven. I don't. I don't really know. I'm excited to, to do this, but they've never been in this situation before. And last year they had that opportunity to go to game seven against the Bucks, but they were up 2-0 in that series, and then Chris Paul kind of got erased. And that's really, honestly, the biggest point from this series." The Mavericks have erased Chris Paul. He's been atrocious. He's been so bad. This is an honestly, this will be this is a legacy game for Chris Paul I in think, Game Seven. I think all the pressure is on Phoenix in Game Seven. They're in an interesting position that they are a younger team, like you mentioned, not a lot of playoff experience yeah. outside of Chris Paul, and at the same time, there is immense pressure on them to win this Game Seven. They're the best team in the league. Chris Paul is thirty-seven. Vegan diet or no vegan diet, uh, you don't. It's hard to imagine him being able to continue at this pace. And next year, Kawhi Leonard's going to be back. Jamal Murray is going to be back. We assume the Lakers will do. I mean, it'd be hard to do worse than they did this season. Um, I, I think there is immense pressure on the Phoenix Suns in Game Seven. Conversely, I think Dallas can go out there and say we've got the best player in this series. It might be a game where we hit our threes. Play free, do what we do, um, and we've already overachieved and, and outpaced our expectations. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. So from a from a fan perspective, how are you guys taking in six games, no close games, but very tense games, I think, still throughout, like clearly a lot of tension, clearly a lot of moments uh, throughout these six games that have been tight, that have been, you know, feisty. Like, how, how, like I'm still struggling to process. Like you said, Austin, this is a very, very strange series, uh, most specifically just the runs and the you know, when it's been competitive, you know, how, how teams that lead lead pretty much from the start, like from the opening tip, uh, you know, game five being the only real outlier in that sense. Um, is it, is it fun? Are you guys having fun? I'm having a good time, but this is the least stressful seven game series. The Mavericks ever been, I've watched I, from the Dirk era, the Portland series, they went up in 2003, they went up three Oh, and blew a 3-0 lead and then won a game seven. That was stressful. In 2005, they were up to, they went down 0-2 at home 
and came back and won in Game 7. That was also stressful. The Spurs series in 06, obviously that was a very stressful, very tense, very competitive series. And then the 2014 series against the Spurs, like, Vince Carter that shot. That was Vince Carter shot. Gets, gets ejected. Yeah, Lots that of close was, games. That was kind of a, we're, we're happy to be we're here. We're happy to be here. But at least, like, most of the games were closed and there was a lot of struggle. This, there's not a single fourth quarter minute in this game where it's been stressful on either side. It's mostly been decided within eight minutes left in the fourth quarter. It's mostly like, are we, are, is the other team going to sit their starters? Can we cut it to 10? Can we cut it to eight? And it's been, that's what's been very, I've never seen a seven game series where there's never been a point of real tension in a game. And I've enjoyed it because the Suns are the best team in basketball. But I've also, again, like I've realized that they, they are also ahead of schedule. If they had, didn't have anybody else but Chris Paul, they had any other, they had Mike Conley, they had any other just league average, they had Marcus Smart, any other league average point guard, they would be in the, they would be in the same place that Dallas is in, where we're we're building up towards building towards being a, a championship team, and we're getting our lumps. You don't make your first playoff run and go to the finals. That's not a thing that happens. They did that last year, but like that's not that's an anomaly. And they did it because they had Chris Paul, but the Mavericks have neutralized Chris Paul in this series. He's not a factor. He's they 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 neutralized Mike Conley, and Chris Paul has played to the level of Mike Conley in the last four games of this series. He's not been a factor. Do you, do you, do you feel like Dallas as a city, the Mavericks fan base as a whole is recognizing that this is a team on the upswing on the, on, on the, on the upswing on the up and up. Yeah, absolutely. We, we went to, to game three in person. These are some of the best crowds that I've seen at a Mavericks game in, in a long, long time. And even out and about in the city on game days, you can tell there's energy and there's excitement about the team. I agree. I think I've, I've enjoyed it immensely. I think that um, I said we could die happy if we just got the the one win. I think we're, we're playing the team that's got the best record in basketball and we're, we're showing um, that we're moving in the right direction. I think the Porzingis trade and how the playoffs went against the Clippers with Porzingis um, cast a lot of cast a dark cloud over a really optimistic picture with Luca. Um, like, have we made the right moves? Is KP ever going to be that second star? I think this trade and our performance in this series have banished those demons. And there's really good feelings that we're moving in the right direction and that we've that we've got um, but, a lot to look forward to. So well. so on the flip side, is, is there no disappointment if the Mavericks don't win game seven? And I know that's it's not a thing that would have, there wouldn't have been before this before the series, right? But I also, I do look at the series and I do look at the Mavericks and I think they have won three or four games. They took a game, they kind of took two games to figure out how the Suns play. They have made all the adjustments. And I, I think there's a real case that Dallas just should win game seven. You know, it's I, I'm I'm not so far removed from, you know, again, execution is everything. 
the Suns are that good of a team. But I also, again, I keep coming back. Three or four games. Three or four games with adjustments that are are working. And it it is possible that the Suns just out of executing Game 7. It is possible that, you know, they're going to learn from the trapping. They're going to be more prepared for the trapping, for example. You're not going to get five threes from Spencer Dinwiddie. Um, I'm still not sure that the Mavericks, I mean, obviously as a team, they're going to go into Game 7 saying, we should just win. Of course they are as a team. I'm not so sure that we shouldn't be just thinking they should win. Is it, but is it still enough, you know, found money that, that it won't feel that way? I um, think or maybe it, maybe we don't know. Maybe we don't know until we know how Game 7 goes. I think it hinges on how talented you think the Suns are. I happen to think they're a, an amazing team, really talented, extremely well coached, and every bit of their number one seed is earned. So... I, I tend to think that it is found money, even though all of the things that you've said are true. And if you look ahead, I don't know if you've been watching the Grizzlies and Warriors series. None of them are exactly covering themselves in glory. And we put the hurt on the Warriors and this I think, season. I and think it's that's, a way better matchup for us. I think that's the so other reason think, why it might feel a little disappointing if Dallas can't get now get a crack at... What would you, you say? Know, most likely Golden State. I will say that I won't be disappointed if they lose. But on the contrary, this might be the best chance to ever go to the finals for the next four or five years. This is an absolute dynamite. The most, the highest percentage chance that they're going to have to go to the NBA Finals is winning this Game 7. All the things that I said about Jamal Murray coming back, Kawhi Leonard coming uh, back, Kawhi, the you, Lakers hopefully doing you, something you, a little bit better. That's not that, maybe not. Lakers. We, yeah, mostly, gotta, mostly Kawhi Leonard and Jamal Murray and the Nuggets and, and Clippers becoming legitimate. I mean, like, that's right, and it's not. I, I, mean, I, I teams, agree, and I don't. Yeah. like we. I, I'm. It's hard for me to parse that while also understanding all the things that we said about how this team is going somewhere clearly is not its final product either um i do hear you and i do think that's a very interesting idea that you know there's we've gone from you know have a competitive series and it's okay to lose in six to real expectations that this team can go on sunday and win in phoenix uh just because they've been the better team you know since they figured out how to play the suns um, I don't, again, I, per, you know, my perspective, I don't think you should be disappointed. Let's see how game seven goes. Okay. And it may be frustrating how close it comes because that is often how game sevens are. But I I don't, I agree. Like, I, I don't think that this is, you know, something that they, that they, that, that they have to win. They were down 0-2. Right. You're down 0-2 to a 64-win team. What are the percentages for that? Yeah. Teams, teams are, who win six four games who go up very too low in a series. It's I'm going to sh- assume it's very low. I mean, I think sixty one teams that go up two zero. I think we know about losing those kind of series, but that's 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 happened in in the past. That's that's a foul, sir. <laughs> that's a foul. But you got to go in the penalty box. What I will say about this series specifically is that this is the one of the few playoff series where I think every single game is just an individual game. The last game. That happen has no bearing on the next game. It is. It's almost like they're playing seven spread out regular season games. I mean, yes and no. Do you, do you, you do you not feel that games three and four? I agree that you know game. No game is the same. Game six played out in very similar ways to games three and four to me. 
Yeah, no, I I think it's that, but I think I this is the series where I've I've never seen home court matter more in an NBA playoff series where the role players are just playing. You know, their adjustments that they're making, they're making smart adjustments. I think Kid is making really great adjustments game to game and they're finding out the weak points in their defense and they're finding out where they like their pet spots. But there's also, even in this game where they won by a lot, there was three or four three-pointers in the second quarter where Devin Booker, they ran, they executed perfectly. Devin Booker got a wide-open three-pointer, missed it. Didn't go in. It was like two or three three-pointers. Cam Johnson in the third quarter had two or three wide-open corner threes, missed it. But conversely, Luka missed a bunch of free throws. Luka missed a bunch of open threes. We actually had also a few open threes that were missed. I think this game, just just like you've, you've written about, it's such an execution series that it's created a different level of variance in this series that I cannot trust. There's a level of variance in this series. And also, we saw the Mavs like fall apart on the road in that third quarter. Because yeah. if you think about it, the Mavs for the last four games straight, seven of those eight halves, they have been the better team. But they played a bad second half in Phoenix. It's just that third quarter. I think that that's true. Quarter, that, yeah. that game five, the first half was competitive. The yeah. story after the game was like, oh, Phoenix blows them out. It's a big lead, big home win. It was one quarter where they let go of the rope that changed the game. I would say, though, like zooming out, if you told me at the beginning of this series, we're going to give you one game, you have Luka Doncic. You play it in Phoenix, but we're going to decide the series on one game. I would say I'll take that this against is, the best team in the NBA. It's like, sports. You you think the Suns want to see Luka Doncic in a win or die game? They're I guarantee you they do not. It, meant, it's, it might just be a game where he hits his step backs and and it's over. Yeah. So I, I just think if you have a player that's this dynamic, that's this talented, whose ceiling is so high, and you give that player an opportunity to beat you in a game seven, the pressure is on you. I mean, they um, could have avoided this whole thing by just drafting him. Oof. Yikes. Suns man. fans. Yeah. Sorry for that one. Sorry for that one. Sorry for that, Oof. man. Luca, Luca Booker you think court. You think any Suns fan is listening to this podcast after that game? Luca, no. Luca Booker they're, they're in bed, I hope. Luca yeah. Booker, Bridges. Oof. That. Oof. That's. Good luck. Yeah. Good luck. That, that would be. That would be. Anyway, I, I think that's a good ending point. Um, it's game seven. It's game It's Luca. Two best boards in sports. You know, it is it is the best team in the NBA. Thanks for listening to the Rights to Ricky Lito podcast. Absolutely uh, not. Absolutely. I got the Ricky Lito authentic jersey in the back. We're at home right now, so we're winning. We're up. We're, we're scoring points. I'm I'm at I'm literally at home. So <laughs> my performance doesn't change on the road. Are you sure? I literally like, introed the podcast like this. You can't go against my cold open. I don't like I don't that know. is like the number one rule of podcasting. I think, I think you're a little better when you podcast in your own apartment. I think you're a little better at home. No, he's like, I mean, I'm less echoey, but (laughs) his mindset doesn't change. Mindset doesn't change. You're not invited on the post game seven pot then. Get out of here. Well, I'm not going to be in Phoenix, you know? (laughs) You ever heard? Well, you don't even know if you're going to Phoenix. I'm not in Utah. They know about the internet there. Oof. Rough. So, yeah. Hey, man, if if you don't believe, you shouldn't be here. 
That's I'm, what someone wise told me that years ago, and it stuck with I me ever they, since. I don't think they told. I think they told some random ESPN reporter that. I don't think that was you. <sighs> All right. We, unless you went to the bubble. I did not. I, I did not. not. I know you didn't go. Anyway, uh, we'll be back after game seven. It will be uh, jubilation as the Mavericks advance uh, for fans everywhere. Or it will be a mature ending to a season that brought this team one step closer in the direction they're headed. You have one more thing, Austin. In the words of our former Maverick great, Zaza Pachulia, Game 7! <laughs> Good night. He plays Fortnite just like me. I am 34. Don't fight the future, honey. Don't fight the future. The future is Luke, a big dick Donjic from the home of Melania Trump. How many kids you hit? Don't fight the future. It tears me apart. Don't fight the future. Please be nice to Luca. Future four-time MVP. Oh, my God. Shut it down! Let's go home! (laughs) It's a wrap, Doug! That is a wrap. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.